I don't know anyone who's had the entrepreneur playbook or all the tools who hasn't just run into all kinds of crazy obstacles anyway. It doesn't matter. Like you just have to do it. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Well, welcome to another episode of Knucklehead Podcast. I've got with me somebody who I've known from a distance for some time, that I've known personally for a little less time, but professionally, I admire uh, his work. I admire his attention to detail, his creativity, his uh, his schedule, uh, his drive, his ambition, and his uh, his eye for the creative. And I'm excited to have Rich Cardona of uh, Rich Cardona Media uh, on the show Welcome to Knucklehead Podcast. How in the hell are you? I'm happy to be here, man. Uh, th- what's embarrassing is I was going to wear my Don't Be Beta shirt, but that shit doesn't fit anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> is this G-rated? <laughs> is this G-rated? That's awesome. For those of you who are listening, uh, Rich has added uh, what we call the Freshman 15 um, for the sixth time uh, during quarantine. So he's added 40 pounds. It's not no, the man. camera no. that's at him. I just think man, my just wife washed it and it just shrunk. That's all, man. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. Well, it's good to see you. I appreciate you taking some time. I know that you've got uh, 15 things uh, that you're juggling uh, essentially on a daily, hourly basis. So I appreciate the uh, the time and the conversation. Honestly, the, the, the interaction that you've had over the last year, you had uh, a couple days ago, you had uh, released a video, may have even been yesterday uh, on LinkedIn. So for those of you who are listening, Rich Cardona, my suggestion is to go directly to LinkedIn, type in Rich Cardona, video strategist. And what what will happen is Gary V will come up and then Gary is asking Rich questions. So Gary just, he's he's getting educated on, on how to do things uh, from Rich. Uh, but my suggestion is go to LinkedIn, connect with Rich, and then just follow him, study him for 30 days. F- figure out the frequency, figure out the the amount of time that he spends in uh, recording and then turning turning around that creative content. And you'll learn quite a bit. You'll learn quite a bit about uh, his process. You'll learn quite a bit about his attention to detail. And he'll always leave you guessing about what's coming next. And that's what I appreciate about uh, about Rich. So, uh, Rich, this is Knucklehead Podcast. This is uh, this is where we talk about the failures, the screw ups, the the things that you you stubbed your toe on, that you busted your nose, that you wish you would have done a little bit differently, that actually led to the success that you're having now. And uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, Rich, you, I don't want to I don't want to tell your story for you, but you weren't always um, running Rich Cardona Media. You 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 were doing some other things. So yeah. help folks understand a little bit about maybe some of your backstory prior to. Uh, your corporate experience, maybe in the Marine Corps, and yeah. uh, a little bit about you know kind of who you are and where you came from, if that's all right with you. Hundred percent, man. Uh, I'd actually like to start with the Marine Corps a little bit because I I think really deeply about the Jockos and the David Goggins, and then I think about them, and then I also think about the bags that you and I both know, right? That ten percent, uh, and and I and I really ask myself, like, where do I fit in between there? And I was probably just an average Marine, which makes uh, me and, and you and anyone else who kind of fits in that category or maybe in, in, in between probably a great citizen. And I would say, you know, just a, a patriot and someone who cares a lot, a lot about, you know, the country and organization and rigidity and teamwork and camaraderie and, and all that good stuff. And the reason I think about all the time is because Sometimes I allow the thought of not being one of those guys as a, a, a reason to not make this podcast or make this content or make whatever. Sometimes I find myself like, do I need to write a freaking book now? Like, I'm not trying to do that. Like, uh, now Jocko's writing kids' books. Like, do I need to do that? And what I've learned is there's far more of the people in my category than their category. And that's fine. And and the reason I'm telling you this is because, dude, I was completely middle of the pack in boot camp. I was before, I think, four-year sergeant, four years and change. I was like, okay, to me, that was huge. And then I did a boost, which was a, a precursor to MESEP. For anyone who doesn't know, it's just essentially the. I always like to say it's the last half of your senior year of high school and the first, uh, you know, semester or two of of college. So it's kind of gets you back ready to go to college. So go to college, uh, Florida State, and okay, did decent there. 
and then went to flight school, did decent at best, and then I got to the squadron and I was I was probably just a regular pilot, you know, like I had issues here and there. Sometimes I, you know, outperformed what I thought. And and then I retired. So I look back and I love my career and I'm so happy I did it. I wouldn't change anything. But in 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 marine talk, the type uh, you know, the type of people you and I know when you're in you know, there's really nothing special. But now that I look back on the outside and I know Marine people like you and Chris and all these others, like I would hope people would say like, Rich is good. The same way I say Steven's good. You know, I'll recommend anyone to him. So it all changes. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because your identity just takes a complete twist and turn when you get out of that thing, man. Like there is no more rank. Like I've never asked anyone what the rank was if they told me they were a Marine. I don't care if they were enlisted, if they were major or lieutenant colonel. I actually really don't care if you're a crusty general. Like, I'm not impressed because out here, it's all the same, man. Uh, so, that life, I think, is important to realize like you'll always be a veteran, but act two is entirely up to you. And I didn't even mean to rhyme right there, dude. <laughs> that was good. You're flowing. <laughs> Holy crap. We're spitting rhymes this, uh, this afternoon. My goodness. It's important to talk about the things that you just said, like it's, it's also very easy to gloss over, right? So if you're in today's workaday world, which in the pandemic that everybody's uh, essentially having to deal with in some way, shape or form, there's a new normal across the board. Sometimes folks are in survival mode and maybe you're stuck in survival mode after you've already gotten out of it because this pandemic has backed you into a little bit of a corner. So Rich, it's important to it's important to not gloss over the fact that even though you're comparing yourself to other folks calling yourself middle of the road, the reality is is when you look at the numbers and you look at the statistics, the context matters. Context matters and that is you were a pilot in the Marine Corps in conjunction with the fact that you were one of the few that had gone from enlisted to an officer. So that means you were a Mustang Right. That, in the Marine Corps, that's what we call it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so the, the idea is for those of you who are listening, who haven't joined the military, didn't play sports, you know, you're a creative, you, you essentially get, get your, you know, your worth by being able to go out there and do the things that you're interested in. I think it's important to study what he's talking about here because the, the context matters. I think, I think average is not the way to, that I would classify his particular career, although he's using words to, to make it seem like it's, it's average or mundane the experience that you were able to draw from that and the respect for process and building systems and understanding all of that training, that's what's forced you to be able to, to actually extract, I don't want to say creative process, but you, you, you're able to actually leverage that, that like dogmatic adherence to standards so yeah. much that it actually helps you, helps you produce quality creative output or outcomes as a result of that. Maybe I'm mischaracterizing, but that's what I, I'm observing no, with your work. I think, this is really interesting, man. I, I love when I'm on a podcast and, and something new pops in my head or someone puts something in a way that I'm like, what? And they just bring me somewhere else. I say, it's funny, and I'm not trying to be self-deprecating by saying average, but when you're surrounded in a ready room of the people I know, I'm average, dude. Like, There's some just savages and some incredible Marines who I'm just like, who I would always just be surprised by. People who say, sir, to me and people who still say that when they track me down after, you know, I've been out a couple of years, I'm like, look, like you were a stud or, you know, Lorena, you killed it, you know, whatever it is. It's just interesting. However, out here, I don't feel average at all. And I don't mean because I was a Marine. I mean, because I am hell bent on not settling and we'll get into my job and, and my corporate stuff in a little bit, but I have zero desire to fail and I won't because this is option A, this is option B, and this is option C, and that's it. That being said, uh, I say I don't feel average because I know so many of us who are where I was a couple years ago and just like, what am I doing? But they're just like... I'm just going to stick this out because this is a safe bet. And you know what, man? That's just not how we roll. But we do out here. And it's because we're scared shit of what's around the corner. And it is just a totally different type of fear. It's not rounds. You know, it's not, you know, a crash. It's, it's none of that stuff. It's looking like a failure after coming from a prominent organization in which you had to perform at levels that everyone around us couldn't do. And it is really can mess with your head. 
Hey, you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason. So do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to Knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life. How do I how do I do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Stephen at Knucklehead Podcasts. Or if you've got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions, LLC. And get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. See ya. Yeah, it really, it really can. So I think to bring things back to your career, if somebody's going to go, so let's, let's, let's look at this. And I like to use contrast and compare uh, in order to actually create uh, clarity, right? And so if there's something I don't understand, I always try to contrast what the opposite of, of whatever it is that I don't understand to develop some context. So if people are wanting to achieve success over the course of their lifetime, right? And they're wanting to be relevant to a group of individuals that they don't share a common background with, they have to figure out what information can they put out there that's relevant. How can you format something to actually insert whatever you have to say in the information flow so you can have an opportunity to be relevant to those folks? And, you know, in a job context, you have to have a resume or you have to have a background or you have to have a referral or you have to have familiarity with that hiring manager or something along those lines that gives you a fighting chance to go out and start creating income. Or you have to use the six inches between your ears as an entrepreneur to go and create processes and frameworks and systems for other folks to follow so you can leverage the creative output of those individuals in order to actually create market value. And so what you've done in your experience is you've rubbed shoulders with some of the most, I want to say most prominent individuals, but probably the most recognizable individuals in the new media sphere. And you've been able to actually create this whole process that honestly it's i admire your uh, your work i've said that about 16 times but i admire the ability to leverage video to capture folks attention and to tell a story but let's back up to when you were working at amazon because you were a pilot in the marine corps so kudos to you you're a rare a rare guy but you didn't come to market with just Rich Cardona Media while you were at Amazon. You you actually went through the process of starting something else and were asked to change it completely after you like went wholesale into I don't want to say the name because I don't I don't understand the context of the F word yeah. here. You know what it is. I don't I don't want to say it. You tell me. You you yeah. you tell the story. So look, like I went to I went to Amazon and I was I, I just I love how you said that I went to Amazon. You know how many people like they go through the entire interview process and never make it? You went and got a job rolling into look, man, Amazon. I'm so, not even gonna lie. I'm gonna tell you right now how easy the interview was. I, I was freaking out and I did a phone interview, a couple phone interviews, and then I did another screen and I mean they were really easy behavioral type stuff. And then when I did the phone screen, I did I did just ask me some random question like how would you start a business? right now. And I was like, what? I was like, this is for operations. So dude, I did SMEAC, like no kidding. I was like, okay, so I would start by walking around Carlsbad, California, where I live. And I would look for failing businesses and and I would go into each one of those and be like, why are they failing? And I, I think I used like a yogurt shop as an example. And I was like, okay, so my mission is to outperform them and to create something more elaborate, more affordable, more, I don't know what, I just went through this whole thing. And then like, he's like, the feedback was like, okay. And then like interview over. I was like, what the hell just happened? Then I get a call. They're like, all right, you moved on. And then blah, blah, blah. And then the last part, I think it was just kind of reaffirming that everyone else before you who interviewed you wasn't a complete moron for having you pass on. So I did that. And then I got the, and then I, I mean, dude, from, from final interviews, like offer was like five days and I actually denied it. The first offer. I was like, nope. Good for you. 
Good for you. I love it. I'll tell you why. Because Playing I talked hard to, to get. I talked to a couple of veterans and I was just like, tell me, like, bro. Or I talked to a couple uh, army veterans, some, some females. I was like, tell me the deal. They're just like, I'll, I'll tell you what, man. No one seemed enthusiastic. Sure. Yeah, I can understand. It's a multi-billion dollar multinational, one of the largest companies on the planet, if not the largest now. For listeners, whatever service you're in, you have said so-and-so has drank the Kool-Aid. So for a Marine, it's someone with the high end tight who's like just lives, eats, and breathes Marine Corps. I was like, I'm talking to people who've really drank the Kool-Aid because they can't even give it to me straight. So I said no. And then months later, um, I was just like... Uh, not not feeling what I was doing. And I was like, hey, you guys still cool? And they're like, yep. And they just like sent me an offer and they just gave me all these things. Uh, Where were the, you during this time? Where I was in you? California, man. I, I was, oh, I, yeah, in, Carlsbad. Okay. I was right. in Carlsbad. So then I went to Austin, Texas and did this thing. So here's what I could tell you. Immediately, immediately on day one, I was like, oh no. <laughs> like, I just had this feeling. It was just unlike an environment I've ever been in. I was surrounded by 20 something year olds. I'm not saying anything bad about that, but like some of us were peers. Uh, my operations manager was a retired colonel who was an Intel dude in the army. And it turns out like that dude couldn't lead anyone to save his life. I mean, unfortunately. And then there was other people like uh, someone who was under me, who was a major, who was an HMX pilot who flew around two different presidents. And he was an area manager and he was heinous. And he wasn't heinous because of him. He was heinous because the leadership was heinous. So long story short, man, I spent two years there because I felt like have the money, have the house. I'm, I'm supporting my wife. I'm supporting my daughter who who came into the world um, two months after I started, and that does during peak season, the worst time. You know, I had my laptop in the delivery room, like all that stuff, dude. It was just ridiculous, and all I was doing, bro, was just like outperforming a lot of people and also screaming for attention. I will tell you the biggest mistake I made, and this is so important for everyone. I started reaching out to people left and right, trying to see if I was going crazy, thinking that this system was dog sh. And I'm like, every I could look up anyone in Amazon and be like, oh, they're a veteran. Oh, they're in their veterans club. I was just calling people, calling people, calling people, and that was the biggest mistake I could make because, like I said, like people had kind of drank the Kool Aid and people were loyal. And once you've made it to like a year or two, like you're kind of really protective about your position. There's stock sure. involved, blah blah yep. blah. Yep. So, so what I actually did was just make a name for myself in the wrong way, and then I had to fight back to kind of win people over. So talk about that real quick, just because I think for context here, here's here's I'm I'm noticing what he's talking about and I'm, I'm observing an experience that I had. I think I told you about, uh, my run in that I had with HR. And then when, that when I take my run in, I was building and scaling a sales team. We essentially for context, uh, this team produced probably $2.5 million in 2015, right? Mm -hmm. The next year we produced just under nine in the year after that, we were on pace to do 16. Right. This was my team at a food at a food business. And so each unit of sale was about 30 to 40, 45 K. So we were producing a, a crap ton of volume uh, from for context compared to what we were doing before. So I didn't give a crap about HR. I didn't really care about what HR saying was saying with, you know, you got to play nice. You got to do this, that and the other. I'm like, listen, I'm out there taking market share from my competitors and I'm not asking for forgiveness for it. And as a matter of fact, my sales team is probably going to color outside the lines a little bit. So if that ruffles you the wrong way, then sorry, you're just going to have to get used to it. Uh, tur turns out that that was not necessarily the greatest approach because it, it ruffled some feathers on my team who then that person went to go talk to my, my uh, HR director about, you know, some issues that they had. They had just wanted to put their two weeks in and go, you know, go back to their family. And I reached out like any good manager is supposed to and said, Hey, listen, I'm not sure what's going on personally, but I can tell you that you've kicked ass and tech names while you're here. And whenever you get some stuff figured out, you're always, you're always welcome to come back. I just wanted to let you know that reached out, left, left over voicemail, said that the HR director then went to the, the owner of the company stay stating that I was kind of stalking or trying to like <sighs> communicate outside of, you know, company. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? No, absolutely yeah. not. That's, that's yeah. not anywhere. She, no, as a matter of fact, you're wrong. So don't do that anymore. As a matter of fact, she, and she didn't believe that politically the same way that I did. And she went on to add some color to the story that was not accurate. So I texted my wife exactly how I felt about this woman. I called her 
some choice yeah. words. Yep. Turns out I was texting her instead, uh, of, instead of my wife. Oh, no, I didn't know this story. That's great. That was the genesis of Knucklehead. I because, love it. Because in the corporate world, in the corporate sphere, to your point, you have about a year or two, and then you get really protective of your territory because that's years of your life that you put into something, right? Yes. But it creates this dysfunctional behavior that doesn't allow you to actually have this creative energy to go and, and do new things and and, be, and and take risks and actually speak your mind in a tactful, professional manner and conduct yourself accordingly uh, to actually go and, and attract partners and attract strategic relationships. What it does is it forces you to repeat what you're told, do what you're told, when you're told, when while you're going to do it. And it forces you to kind of be lockstep with what the corporate objective is, as opposed to understanding that that's just that's got a shelf life. You have your life. You have your life that you're responsible for. And so that means you also need to be able to believe in what it is that you're doing. And yes. so Knucklehead essentially was the genesis of that. I realized that, God, I was I was a robot, more or less. I, I was. I, you make stupid ass decisions uh, when you when you're not intending to uh, in, in, in the corporate sphere and uh, marketing and your voice and the synergies between how folks actually consume information rather than being adherence to, to what the corporate world has to say, you can actually express yourself in a meaningful way and still accomplish significant economic value out there in the marketplace. It's like, so anyway, but my, my point is, is I feel your pain as you're telling me a little bit about your experience. It's really interesting. Like, you know why we're protective of it is because that gap that you need to bridge is really uncomfortable visceral. It's a weird experience. You're trying to fit in. You're trying not to over veteran yourself. You're trying, you get to the point where you don't lead with your military stuff and you know, like you're not desperate and you're like, okay, cool. But like you, I have to be so honest right now. I think about this and, and, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I do believe I was an absolutely really unbelievable manager. Uh, I just did things no, no other managers did. I was next next to my hourly associates. I taught them. I did all these things. We had like the number one performing shift um, like in the country for a bunch of weeks. Like like little things like that. Like not little, but I know there's validity to it. But for sure. But when I look back at it, I was still very much in execution mode. Like I knew exactly what they needed and I got to the point where I could deliver on all that so easily. But I also knew that everything else I was doing was for personal fulfillment that I didn't, I knew there's no way I was going to have the creative space to kind of take things to the next level. Or, you know, I, I just, it was just really, yeah, what's the word? Like, it, it just like, I was just like in a box. So look, as time went on, you say we make stupid decisions or, or whatever inadvertently. Look, man, like I subconsciously think I was just really destructive, had destructive behavior when it came to drinking, when it came to practices at work, when it came to leaving early, like there was just a point where I just didn't care. So it's funny because I essentially quit before I was probably going to get fired. And what happened was I, I look back on that a lot and I say to myself, I didn't make the decision to quit and they didn't make the decision to fire me. Like I made the decision the first time I stepped out of like regular rich the first time I made a decision, I mean, I was, it was literally like, I hate to say it like this, but like a cry for help. I was like, all right, I'm just going to push this thing until I see what the hell happens until push came to shove. I forced myself into a situation that made me have to leave. And then then uh, came my genesis a little bit later of Rich Cardona Media. But I look back and I'm like, man, I could have dealt with that so much better and all this different stuff and blah, 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 blah. And I still think about some of these managers who I'm like, if I ever see you, I'm going to kill you dude like you know all these things and it's just so funny because all that bad experience actually matters everything to what i'm doing now because i am just trying to just unwrap all that negativity and just push it with positivity obviously in the words of gary v and and just really really help people out by making their brands and their awesome leadership and their company and their why and all that visible because i believe in them and i never would have been in a position to do that if i was still there as a senior ops or an agm or some stupid position that would have me there 20 hours a day you know and just not even paying attention i might not even have a second daughter right now like i don't even know yeah. So, yeah, man, well, I, mean, I mean, with you talking about having your laptop in the delivery room and, you know, let's be honest, just Marines, we were mission first and then second troop welfare. Right. So mission is if you if you don't have a mission, honestly, that creates complete dysfunction because you've removed. It's like removing the bumper 
the guardrails whenever you go to a bowling alley. I, I don't know if you do you bowl. I don't know. If, uh, no, but ever, I know okay. what you're talking All right. about. All right. So they have bumper lanes like so you cannot you literally cannot. Um, it's kind of like nerfing the world. You, you cannot miss. Yes. But when you um, when you eliminate those, you know, let's just say you're a 300 bowler with, you know, with the guardrails up. But then you take the guardrails off. You're going to suck because yes. you're, you're dependent <laughs> upon you become dependent upon and programmed by uh, essentially that that safeguard. And it's the same thing whenever you don't have a mission, whenever you're out. Yes. Uh, one of our mutual acquaintances, Hoffman, is he he's provided some systems and processes for folks that are kind of stuck in that rut to get out of that rut. And I think that that's a good mission to have. Uh, but the reality is, is, you know, people are walking around in today's world plugged to their phone. It's the remote, yep. it's the remote control for their life. They're yep. walking around and they're, they're staring at their screens, you know, and everybody's got tendonitis from scrolling from the bottom up on their particular phones. <laughs> yes. And you've been able to create this, this process and this framework around getting folks to stop and pay yep. attention to it. And I want you to talk about how much pain you had to go through in order to perfect that process. So look, the thing is, the creative process, what has happened ever since I left is this, like, how can it be better? You know, like, how can it be better? How can you be better as Knucklehead? And anyone I talk to, I always immediately think, and it's just by nature, how can this company or this brand or this person be better? And I always say the creative process is fairly easy because it revolves around one thing, that the people in the company are far more interesting than the company. Period. Like, that's just the way it is, man. Like, I am so over the people who who really, truly think that your mission statement is go what's going to sell someone. I don't give a sh**. Like, it doesn't matter. The people in the company, your why, even like the way you scale that sales team is so largely important. And either I've ingested too many stories like that, or I just don't remember, but I don't remember that vividly. And now that's like going to be stuck and like pinned in my head. So the question here is, or, or to answer the question, like how, how do you get people to stop scrolling, which is exactly my mission, is to just not talk about what you do. Just talk about who you are. And that's so counterintuitive. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's counterintuitive for people coming from the military just because, because they don't think people understand. And maybe it's counterintuitive to the 12-year corporate dude who's just like, why, why would I do that? Like, I'm not trying to like shine the light on me because then everyone's going to think I'm blah, 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 blah. We are far more interesting and stories are just really intriguing to all kinds of people, period, point blank. And your story and my story are going to be very different, but we could repeat the same mission, right? So I was like, oh, how fun is that? You know what I mean? If you and I happen to be working for the same place. So when it comes to the people, just think of it, just think of it like this. Forget entrepreneurship for a second. If I am a senior operations manager and you are auditing my team and you go up to some of my area managers or hourly associates and you're like, hey, did you know that Rich was a Marine? Did you know where Rich went to school? Do you know where Rich is from? Do you know why he is the way he is? And if you can't answer that, then that probably means you have a dysfunctional, crappy-ass squad. And that's why you're getting evaluated in the first place because you're not performing. When people understand what's at stake, just think of it like this, man, the news. When you put on the news, there's no emotion, right? There's no backstory. It's just the story. So you're just like, okay. So when you hear so-and-so was killed or uh, two people die in this accident or whatever, like you're not like super bent out of shape about it. It's just more bad news. But if you knew that it was Loretta and Ryan who'd been married for 20 years and that they were both Marine Corps veterans or this, this, and this, and they have two children or two grandchildren that they're parenting because whatever, then it just becomes completely different. So... Yeah. When it comes to businesses, the brand, the mission, the vision, your history, your data, all these things are really irrelevant if you want to be memorable because that's all people do all day and they think that's what's effective. And I am not trying to support people who want to be beta, right? Like, I just don't. Like, I'm sorry. I, I need to love what you're doing and what you're about and I need to be able to unwrap you and, and just kind of really let you let other people in because that is what's going to take you to the next level. And you know this. 
But I'm a practitioner, man. I'm a complete and utter practitioner of that. Otherwise, I would never suggest it. And I'll tell you what, man, like all this time I put in over the last... My first client was exactly 13 months ago. The business has been alive, so to speak, for about uh, 18 months or something along that, along those lines. My first client was just about a year ago. And now, like, man, it's just, it's just really coming in floods. But if I didn't have the patience to just kind of continue to just be like, look, the story matters, the story matters, the story matters, the story matters, then I'd be nowhere. I think it's important to package what you, what your experience was prior to you operating kind of as, can I say flyboys? I mean, is that a, is that a thing? Can I give it? I mean, I, I understand oh, fly, that. Uh, flyboys media. Yeah. Yeah. There we yeah, go. Yeah. So what is that? What, what happened to that? That's really that's funny. Let me, uh, this is just not going to work for, for those of you. That's okay. All right. Take your time. Hey, listen, those of you who are listening, my buddy, rich right now is doing what we call in the Marine Corps. He is, he is not a, being a blue Falcon. I'm just kidding. He's, he's actually, he's actually setting up a video camera for a second perspective on this story. And I love him. And he's going to, there's, this is going to end up on LinkedIn. He's going to have a LinkedIn video here in just a second. So flybys. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Sorry. I didn't, I wasn't, Exactly sure what you were alluding to earlier. So it was an army, it was an army veteran who I knew, and we worked at Amazon together, and then we went into business together. But did we? I mean, business together. There was no money coming, and we just had an idea. Uh, we put it down, and that was it. So it started with inter- wanting to interview veterans to share their stories, share their transition stories. You know, a lot of stuff that kind of goes on now. What really happened was. I, I just kind of was like, "Hey, man, um, <laughs> like you're not doing anything." You know, and again, it didn't matter because we were just, we weren't making money. So I was just like, okay. So then I eventually just kind of like, hey, I'm going to take over everything. We tried to dissolve it. It was a nightmare. Like he really didn't care and everything seemed fine. I had the website, I had all this stuff. And then like, it just, I don't know what happened, man. I couldn't get permission to run the website or I don't know what, and we had to write Google and this and that, and it was just stupid. So when it comes to that, the first iteration of it was just, I think what we all experience is the first iteration of a version of something that just matures into what we actually want it to be. That's all it really was. Uh, It was nothing like what I'm doing now for the most part. Um, And it was just, I don't want to call it a stumbling block, but the biggest thing it was, was the realization that I needed to be on my own. You know, I didn't need to be partnering with anyone. Like I was the visionary. I was the one who's going after it. Uh, the other individuals like in the workforce, out of the workforce. And, and I was just like, you know what, like, just forget it. So again, not necessarily a great experience. It was a very confusing experience. I mean, none of it really made sense. We didn't have any anything like like legit. So I had to change the website name because I could not get him to sign off on all this and not by effort, but just by animosity and weirdness. So then I changed everything to Rich Cardona Media in June last year. And then now it's just my sh- <laughs> So Well, I love that. I love that story for a couple of reasons. One, I just, I feel... Uh, I feel your pain on having to put put up with somebody who doesn't because there's there's one thing to somebody not have uh, your back when it comes to whatever the creative vision is. Yeah. But it's another thing to whenever you go to physically go to the website and those of you who who understand logging into a website, the admin dashboard and and formatting uh, all of those idiosyncrasies, all the things that I want to beat my head up against the wall when I think about web building and digital marketing and infrastructure and SEO. All of those things, when you run it, it's it's like trying to make a telephone call, but you're at a sales service. It's that frustrating. It's like you're, it's it's the people that hold their cell phone up in the air, thinking that they're going to get like better sales service, <laughs> and they bring it back down to their ear, and then and then the cell cell signal goes away. That's yeah. how it's like when you don't have a right partner in business, and that's exactly that's what I heard you talking about. It's like you have a cell phone, completely functional, but it doesn't have a sales service until you lift it up. And then it goes away when you bring it back down to your ear. So it's pointless. So this is a really important topic really quick. I, I just want to say a couple more things like you shouldn't and don't need to have a partner in crime to start it off. Like it's, it's, it's far more disorienting and scary to do it on your own. But I, I truly just don't think no matter how well, you know, someone like once you, you really get in gear, it's going to be really hard to have someone who matches that charisma and enthusiasm and that drive if you are not totally aligned. And you will know, you will know that even though the paths may be parallel, that they actually don't converge. And if that happens, then just 
it's okay. I mean, you don't have to lose a friend and you don't have to do X, Y, Z. Just be like, you know what? I think I'm just going to do this on my own. And one of two things is going to happen. You're going to go and you're going to crush it or you're going to go and you're going to fail and they're going to laugh at you. And then you guys could laugh about it together or whatever it may be. But it doesn't have to be a partnership or anything to start off. You're better off surrounding yourself by people who know more than you in certain areas of starting a business that you don't and leveraging them and or having an advisory board. And look, I mean, no matter what, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, man, but I don't know anyone who's had the entrepreneur playbook you know, or all the tools who hasn't just run into all kinds of crazy obstacles anyway. It doesn't matter. Like you just have to do it. Well, there's a really, there's a really good book for those of you who like to read and, you know, don't turn your, your ears off whenever you hear me give away the title here in a little bit, but there's two stories about the discovery of flight. There was the Wright brothers, right? And then there was somebody else who was also, um, I'm going to butcher his name, but essentially he had funding from the government. Mm -hmm. He had the press going out there and watching him go through uh, the cycles, right? He essentially was the well-funded, well-oiled machine that was supposed, isn't Simon Sinek, doesn't Simon Sinek talk about this and this power of why? I think it was uh, Langley is the guy's last name where he talks about uh, the discovery of flight. You know, and, and, and I, I could be off base in, in saying that this is a this is a book, but it talks about essentially that that discover or excuse me, that success principle that folks have. And that is just the, that burning power of why that that passion that gets you up. So what what's your reaction when you when you first hit your feet, hit the floor for the first time? And the the Wright brothers had that they had people on their team that were excited about crashing planes until they figured out how to fly and nobody knew it. It was, it's barely even documented because nobody expected them to do it where I think is Langley stamp something standpoint Langley. He, mm-hmm. he is, he, he had the media attention and he quit whenever he didn't get all the attention, the subsequent attention that was supposed to follow the discovery of flight. It lends itself to what you're talking about. When you surround yourself with folks who care, I think this is, it can be very disingenuous in today's world to, to, to use that term, but truly care. And they have buy-in to your vision and you have buy-in to theirs. I think, I think it's a reciprocal process. Sure. If, if you don't have that there, then, then it's almost all for naught. But if you have those two components, then you have a start of something that could be very special. Exactly. And, and, and I think, I think you, you alluded to it when you were talking about if you don't have, if you have competing visions as opposed to uh, complementary visions when you're with a, a founding partner and you have the ability to take that next step without creating dysfunction, like literally test it out by s- stepping forward. And, and that's what I was drawing a distinction to your story. The mm-hmm. huge conglomerate that is United States Marine Corps, leveraging all the programs that allows you to have the ability and, and experiences that you had while you were in, and then going to a gigantic company like Amazon to all of a sudden being yourself. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when all your identity is completely stripped away from both of those organizations where you, you can really hide in the in the in the reputation of the marine corps and then the reputation that amazon has that's very exposing <laughs> yeah. especially is, when you're documenting everything the way that yeah, you are it, it, it is a totally different type of alone and unafraid or alone and afraid you are right i never really looked at it like that like okay happened once happened twice uh both of them by choice it's like now what um I love that pressure. I mean, I, I, I know. Pilot, so it makes yeah, sense. I, I mean, you know, that might come across wrong because things are going okay now, but I literally, dude, every day I'm like, this thing could blow up tomorrow, blow up in the wrong way. Right. And I'm just like, yeah. okay, like that'll be interesting. I wonder what I'll do then. But being alone uh, has really just taught me a lot that, that while, we love the environment of depending on each other and being surrounded by people who lay down in traffic for you. And those relationships will last forever that, uh, when it comes to whatever you decide for your life, like you're probably aside from your family, the only one on board, truly on board. And then when you go to a company like, dude, look, this is how, this is my perspective. I'm not knocking traditional work, but I don't care how well you do or the friends you make at work or whatever. No one's going to be there if you get terminally ill to just be at the hospital with you every day, man. Like you are replaceable as sh- no matter what job you're at, no matter what company you're at, like there's always going to be a line of someone to take that position. So, so anyway, um, but yeah, like when, when I got to that point where it was just me, 
I just found that I was less scared. I, I, I mean, I don't even know how to explain that, but I was just like, I didn't feel the pressure. I just felt like I am going to figure this out. Not because I had to figure it out, like my family depended on it and whatever, but I will tell you the the wild card in this all, and that was my wife. She's the one who's like, you can quit. And I was like, dude, it was like just basically poking a, you know, a hole in a tire. I was like, Psh, everything just dissipated. And I was like, bet. And knowing that she had my back and was willing to have my back in a certain way, even if it meant we had to live with my freaking in-laws, which was brutal as a 38-year-old dude with a family, it all worked out. So like that is absolutely the wild card, man. Like one thing Steve and I are talking about is is the the friends and the business partner aspect, but the buy-in absolutely positively has to be there on the family side on just like a level that you are even scared to ask about. And I think that's what actually sets you free. First of all, what we're talking about is a little touchy-feely whenever you, you start getting into the emotions that are behind the words, right? And so when folks are listening to this and you go back and you go, you, you take a look at Rich's LinkedIn profile, for instance, there's this, there's, there's this professionalism that exists whenever you're talking about a, a company or you're talking about his experience. But the, I, I want to say the messy middle, I, I can't really describe it other than to say it's the willingness and the courage that it takes to put yourself out there and the permission almost that you, that you get. My wife hates it when I use the word permission to her. Cause yeah. she's like, I'm, you're not, it's, you're not my son. You're, you're, yeah. you know, it's like, you, you don't need my permission. You're a grown man, go do your thing. But there's something <laughs> different about that messy middle that gets that line that gets blurred rich. And I think, you know what I'm talking about when, when you're, you're going out there and you're you're working for somebody or you're going out there and you're putting uh, you're pursuing uh, an opportunity you just that you feel almost like you're, some, you're gonna be exposed like it's just a matter of time before oh you're exposed yeah and then when your wife goes you know what but it's okay you're almost like that I'm never gonna be exposed I'm just I'm, I'm I'm in it's almost like you I don't know maybe it's just me but I I feel emboldened when my wife is like go kick some ass like it's okay go go out there and make some things happen. It, yeah, it just allowed me to take it up notch by notch and just be like, I'm just going to be an open book. I'll talk about it. I mean, look, hey, before he asked, before we started recording, he's like, anything off the, off, off the table? You know, I'm like, nope. Like, I learned from all my mistakes. I could talk about all this stuff. I could talk about anything. And it's not always that way. It just became clearer and clearer to me that the more I was able to do so, the less surprises people would have if they decided to do work with us or collaborate with us. Because look, this, this is just me. If you come across one way when I meet you at Military Influencer Conference and through our conversations on the phone or whatever, and then on this podcast, and then like somehow we go into business together and it's a totally different you, I'm like, I'm out. Like, I don't want to guess. I don't want to know what's around the corner. Like, I just want to know who I'm working with, how we're going to work together, and that's it. And that is exactly what I try and make sure that anyone I talk to has the ability to do. And how do I do that? By making sure exactly who the hell I am is is on, out there, online. You don't hear me speak about marketing in this deep, crazy, educated way and all these years of experience. I talk about it from my experience. I'm an expert in marketing in my way, you know? And it's just funny because my wife is always on these calls and I'm just like overhearing these calls when she's in the kitchen. I'm just like tearing it apart by these initiatives people want to do. I'm like, who's going to know about it? How are they going to, how are they going to put that message out? That sounds like a terrible idea, all these things. But anyway, um, the the point is this, man, like I just became less and less afraid and I kind of already covered that, but you never have to worry. Like the truth is undefeated, right? Gary Vee always says that the truth is undefeated. So it's like, it took me 38 years to get to the truth, you know, and I've never admitted ever on a podcast until today, like how I felt about my Marine Corps career and where I stood and how I look back at it. And that I now look at my Amazon career, even though I felt like I was crushing that I was literally just executing on people's behalf. And I know I could have done all that stuff with my eyes closed. So, so where does that land me now? That lands me in a point where I am just like, I get out of bed. I'm like, let's go. Like, let's go. Like, I'm so, I love it because I don't have anyone or anything to worry about. Like no one's doing a fitness report on me and I'm not getting some stupid one-on-one that my manager forgot to do like last month where he forgets what he even needs to say to me. And that's the difference. And again, this is, I'm not saying that, you should be an entrepreneur or anything like that, but there's certain components uh, and certain 
byproducts that you just don't see coming until you're in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you know yourself, right? You know, regardless of which way you lean politically here, I think that I think that it's important to draw the distinction uh, between knowing what you're capable of, knowing where you're at, and that gap between the two, finding other folks that can help you color between the lines. And you you touched on it a little bit whenever you started talking about asking other people that were part of that corporation. You innately knew that. You innately knew that there was other folks that you could go reach out and touch to help calibrate what you were feeling at that moment. Uh, as an entrepreneur, and, and we'll wrap with this before we transition real quick to the video question, and that is this, Rich. Whenever it came to this new medium, whenever it came to the new career, how did you establish folks that you could trust and give you actual tangible feedback as opposed to maybe a course that somebody was hawking or somebody, somebody that, that you didn't trust what they were saying, uh, but they were at, you know, how did you go and vet out the good actors from the bad actors, so to speak? It still happens. Uh, my radar is better than it was a year and a half ago, but it still happens. I really, if, if there's the biggest, biggest way I could tell you that right now is watching how much people put in to whatever it is they have going on. Um, my COO is just an absolute savage and she's not a veteran, but she knows the veteran life because we are united by the first friend I ever lost in combat. It's a long story. And she's just savage, man. Like she works so hard, so detailed, you know, like, dude, someone's late on a payment. She's the one she's like, Oh, I got it. Like, I'm like, Oh man. So, so that's like internal, right. But externally, when it comes to prospects and businesses, mentors and all this other stuff, you are just going to come across so many people. And, and here's the thing, like everyone has good ideas, especially conferences, man. Like everyone gets all amped up and there's like this weird emotion in the conference. Like I could really make something happen right now. Like, wow, this is what I was missing. This is what I need. Oh man, let's team up and we could collab. And then it's just like, ah. so here's what I would say. Social proof. Like I that is literally our biggest, biggest thing when it comes to prospects, when it comes to people who want to work with us, when it, people who want to work for us, and when it comes to people whose podcasts I'm going to be on or anything like that. It's like social proof. Like, let me see that your do-say ratio is on point. That's like number one. You know, if I am looking for someone on my advisory board or a mentor or whatever, or anything like that, and dude, you've rescheduled calls on me a couple times in a row, then it's just like, cool, dude, I would never pull the trigger on an email that says, hey, you know, it's been cool, but hey, I'm good. I wouldn't do that a year ago, but now it's just like, see you later. When it comes to hiring and firing, hey, man, I'm going to admit. If anyone hears this and ever is looking for a social media manager job, uh, we need someone to kind of corral all the things for my personal brand and just do all that stuff. But I am like four, eight hours. I already know. No matter. And it's crazy because we have vetted people and done what I said. And it just turns out like there's just one thing off enough. I'm just like, nope. So anyway, social proof is huge. Are you a practitioner? I, I really, really, really think it's just odd for me. It, it's like I would never hire a personal trainer who is completely and wildly out of shape. No matter how smart they were, I'm just sorry, but that's that's not that doesn't make sense to me. So so when it comes to the people you surround yourself with, like you just want to be surrounded by the people who are going to elevate you, and not not by by really consciously taking the effort to build you up by people who you aspire to be. And let me bring this all the way back and why I was a complete idiot at Amazon is because I had nobody to look up to. And I never, ever parse, you know, mince words about that. There was no one I was like, I want to be like them. Nobody. And in that state, you just become desperate to like just make up your own little world of what success means and what it is it and 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 you know should i be climbing this corporate ladder and this position sounds good when i always knew like some of these positions that i was supposed to end up at i was like i don't actually want to do that at all so who's going to challenge you who you know what what does leadership look like 
What's the social proof look like? And then just like, just don't waste time. I mean, like there's really nothing. And I, I am such not a, a scared of a burning bridges guy. I, I feel like I have enough character that, that even if I do inadvertently do that, that I'll still succeed and, and find other people to kind of fill those voids. But it's very tricky, but you could never screw anything up by taking your time. So don't be in a rush. Mm, I like that. That's actually one of the hardest things to hear whenever you're running a business is I think if your business is big enough, you can afford to to take your time. But if your business isn't big enough, guess what? You can actually still afford to take some time. Yeah. Right. Measure twice, cut once. It doesn't mean that you're not going to cut incorrectly. It just means that if you're not willing to cut, then you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be on the damn saw. Yeah. That's kind of the thought process that we have. So Rich, I appreciate you taking the time to walk us through your story right? Because even one of the things that you've done in your career, people would spend a lot of time prepping and deciding that they wanted to go that route to be a pilot in the Marine Corps. And then to also be in the media world the way that you are. One of the things that you have done being a dad, one of the things that you have done, that's what people would aspire to be able to accomplish. And yet you're doing all of it and you're still going out there and reinventing kind of the standard, so to speak. So I like it a lot and I appreciate you. How can people get in touch with you and what's the best way for folks to connect with you? LinkedIn by far, if especially if you're a veteran. Um, I, I mean, actually, it doesn't really matter. Just connect with me on LinkedIn, and here's why. Um, if you're a veteran, you're going to see transition advice from time to time. And and you know this this crew right here. There's a bunch of us with our podcasts who are so unbelievably dedicated to to you know veteran advocacy to making your transition not sloppy and, and crazy and all this other stuff. So so Rich Cardone on LinkedIn. Uh, at Rich Cardona and then underscore that's for Twitter and for Instagram and then richcardonamedia.com. But the other thing I wanted to mention, if you hit me up on LinkedIn, please let me know if if you heard uh, anything on this podcast that interested you or about if you want to talk about your marketing efforts for your business or whatever it is. Like we do thirty minute consultations for free, man. Like I will turn that thing inside out. I will tell you how shitty your LinkedIn is. I will tell you how you're using it wrong. I will do all of that stuff for nothing. And I've been doing it for a, a bunch of people uh, after I stopped the Coronas with uh, Cardona little interview series. And I'm telling you, man, like the head nods and all the things I see in that half hour. And they're just like, oh my God. I'm like, you're welcome. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I'm just saying I get so pumped up to just help you look under the hood because we're all too close to it, man. We're all too close to it. Like you could probably pick apart my business right now. I don't know if I could pick apart yours, but I bet I could find some stuff. You're like, I know we're working on it. Or I didn't even think about that. That's just the way it is, man. An extra set of eyes never hurts. And you, I promise you, I'm not going to say anything that's going to turn you off. I'm just going to give you the truth and hopefully some actionable things that you could do by the end of that call easily. Yeah, without without question. And it's not theory by any stretch of the imagination. He's he's a man of action. It's fun watching him work when he's with a client and then he walks up to another booth. He literally brokered a relationship in front of my eyes at a conference and he goes after it too. So he told you exactly how to get in touch with him. And for those of you who like listen to Knucklehead, listen, we, we strive to bring you the stories of, of the messy middle. You don't have to look too hard to go find folks that have been successful, but you really do got to dig a little bit to go find uh, what they're not telling you about the success that they are currently experiencing. And that's why we strive to bring you the stories of folks that, quite frankly, they, they've messed up. They've gotten their head slapped. They've gotten their finger smashed. They've wrecked a couple times. But those stories are really, truly what endear you to not only their business, but them as an individual. So I'm excited to bring you more stories. We've got new episodes dropping to you every Tuesday. And Rich, we appreciate you taking some time. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with? No, just... If you go to bed and you're like, is this it? Then you need to really audit your stuff. That's all I'm going to say. That's a pill to swallow. I've been there. It's not fun. It's not fun, but I appreciate it. Everybody, don't be a bait about the process. Go out and get you some wins. And if you need some help, Rich Cardona on LinkedIn. See you guys. Mm-hmm.